0: Knowing the headlines isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to talk about it. For stimulating conversation on the day's hot topics, this is your station. This is your show. The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chen. Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station.
1: Good Tuesday to you. 9.06 in just a second we'll meet Edmonton's newest city councilor. Or as he just corrected me, as he walked into the studio, Counselor-Elect Bo Banga will swear in Friday afternoon. We'll connect with him uh, just hours after his election, his by-election victory. That's going to kick off our show today. We're also going to get into the mental health and addictions report that was presented yesterday. We'll take a look at some of the details where some critics are saying it falls short. We're going to get to the story today as well. An Edmonton high school student suspended... For putting an image out there. We'll get into the details of the story. It's an image that contains a horrifically racist statement. But here's the thing. The student that put it out there isn't the student that originally shared the sentiment. This was a student bringing the racism To her fellow students' attention, she's the one taking the rap. We'll get to that maybe in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll see how the show unfolds. A couple of talented Edmontonians that have worked on a film known as The Great Human Odyssey will join us in studio. We're going to talk to the president of a new group that's demanding oil respect in the 11 o'clock hour, And, and then a distillery manager will join us to wrap up today's show. It's a very special edition of really cool jobs coming at you Tuesday at 11.30. Of course, typically Wednesday at 10. So why the change this week? Well, it's because we've got a very special broadcast in store for you tomorrow morning. We'll get you the details in just a bit. Don't want to keep Mobanga waiting. The Edmonton police detective took the by-election in Ward 12 last night. He will replace... Amarjeet Sohi, who represented Edmonton's Ward 12 until pursuing federal uh, political placement, Mobanga securing 2,359 votes last night. That's 18% of the popular vote. It means you're going to be the newest member of Edmonton City Council. How does
2: it feel? It feels great, and uh, it feels great uh, just to know that uh, there are people who do recognize uh, the work you do in the community, and uh, also uh, in, uh, with uh, youth and uh, seniors.
1: This was uh, a very unusual by-election. As I'm sure you know, it set a record in the province of Alberta for the number of candidates that were seeking office, 32 out of the gates. You kind of just, I think, alluded to why you think you won, but what was it that elevated you above the other 31 candidates?
2: Well, again, uh, I've been a long-term uh, resident of Ward 12, uh, almost 38 years, and uh, most of my policing career also been spent in in and around this ward, uh, Ward 12. And 17 of my 24 years, uh, first as a constable, then as a sergeant, now, currently, I'm a detective in the same area, uh, out of uh, uh, Millwood uh, Station that's on uh, 28th Avenue and approximately Fifty-Two Street.
1: Yeah, so th- you're not a former police officer, you're not a retired police officer, you've still got some business to take care of.
2: That's correct, and I am yet to be a retired uh, police officer, and uh, then... Uh, I guess I'll take my full-time job as a city councillor. So you'll
1: swear in uh, at Edmonton City Council at City Hall Friday at, I heard, 1.30. Friday at 1.30. Do do we expect that you'll tender your resignation to the EPS before that? Uh,
2: That will be done before that. I believe I have done my due uh, uh, my due job with uh, Edmonton Police and uh, now I'm ready to step into the next phase of my life as a city councillor. Will you be
1: resigning from the police force with mixed emotions? I mean, we're talking 24 years of
2: service. That is correct. I have uh, uh, made uh, so many friendships in the past 24 years uh, with uh, not just uh, people in Edmonton Police Service, but also with uh, other police services uh, across the country uh, uh, being involved in Edmonton Police Association Uh, I have connected with many and uh, it's going to be pretty tough to go away but uh, we all have to move and uh, uh, tackle on the next phases in our life uh, whether it's uh, you know, from single to getting married to having kids, grandkids, and now this is the next phase in my life. What do you believe you bring to Edmonton City Council that's not already represented? Well, I definitely uh, do have a very good knowledge of uh, the policing aspects and uh, of uh, how we could uh, uh, tweak some of those aspects uh, in deployment and uh, Also, uh, some issues uh, working as a council, as a sergeant, uh, what needs to be done. And uh, again, uh, this is totally in conjunction with uh, my team of uh, city councillors, and uh, I have uh, uh, got to take care of uh, that. uh, I do not forget where my roots are. Have you
1: spoken with the mayor yet, or have you heard from uh, who will prove to be your council colleagues?
2: I spoke to uh, Mayor uh, Don Iverson uh, last night after my win. He congratulated me, and I uh, thank him for uh, conveying uh, his uh, sincere uh, appreciation and, uh, and uh, thanks to me for running and uh, um, eventually being elected. And uh, I have not uh, talked to any uh, counselors yet. But I'll be doing that in the next uh, couple of days for sure.
1: I mean, we're talking hours. Y- you've you've barely known for twelve hours. I think almost exactly twelve hours and five minutes yeah. that you were the counselor.
2: Yeah, that's correct. And uh, uh, again, uh, after uh, appreciating uh, appreciating all my uh, volunteers, uh, co- colleagues, uh, um, my uh, campaign workers, I I was so overwhelmed last night and. Uh, barely get a chance to sleep, and uh, now I'm here. This is my fifth interview uh, since uh, 6.30 in the morning.
1: You're kidding so me. Now. Well, I, I saw you with our friends over at the Global Morning News just a few minutes that, ago. Correct. So you've been, you're making your way all across the city, which probably will I, I maybe give you some insight into the expectations of this new role. You know people are going to be pulling at you from all sides.
2: That's correct. Uh, and uh, throughout my uh, career with uh, Edmonton Police, I have learned that... Uh, one uh, uh, one side of uh, folks you need to uh, be always uh, having on your team is uh, media, and I'm uh, going to be available.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I don't know if I can say I'm going to be on your side all the time or not, Counselor, but I'll tell you, you'll always have an open door here, and, and we, per- we we endeavor to ask as fair questions as we possibly That's can. That's correct,
2: and I will always be, uh, be honest uh, answering the questions uh, you have and your listeners have. And uh, uh, I may not have all the answers, but I will make sure that I do provide them with answers, if not at the time, later on.
1: A common theme when it comes to the relationship between Edmonton's city council, or any city council for that matter, and a city's police force, in this case the EPS, is budget. And Chief Rod Connect has asked for a significant increase in budget over the next three years. In failing to grant the full amount, Edmonton's city council suggested to the chief, and and he has reciprocated that message, that the methods of policing will have to change, that Edmonton may have to adopt more of a community policy policing model based on your experience behind the badge what works and how will you be approaching your message to your council colleagues on policing at times when budgets are
2: tight uh, of course the budgets are tight and uh, again uh, just like our homes uh, it's the same thing with the city we always have limited supply of uh, money that's going to be coming in and we can't overspend uh, we need to make sure that uh, uh we uh, sometimes reevaluate retool and uh, redeploy our resources uh, uh and work within the budget of course uh um, having bigger budget more money is uh, is good but it's not always the solution you know, sometimes I think when we talk budgets, numbers just
1: swirl around. We see the city will spend this many hundreds of millions of dollars on this, or we're going to ask for $60 million for this, or the city will spend $30 million on this, and whether it's snow clearing, or spray parks, or policing, or whatever the case may be, it can be easy to forget that these are actually people, these are civic employees, these are Edmontonians that are working with these budgets, trying to do the best they can. What do civilians maybe not realize right now about some of the challenges that Edmonton's police officers are facing and are working with on a daily basis?
2: Well, we have a big uh, uh, ethnic diverse, uh, diverse uh, uh, Edmonton, and uh, we are always uh, readjusting to uh, uh, adjust to their needs. Uh, we have a humongous growth uh, especially in the south and uh, northern part of the city. And we need to uh, make sure that our uh, policing needs are, uh, uh, again, uh, getting uh, addressed. And uh, uh, sometimes we have to do it uh, with a limited budget. Uh, Then if we don't have any more money, we don't have any more money. We need to just deal with what we have and and adjust accordingly. of course, some things that we participated in in the past, they may have to be scaled back a bit, but um, we are going to uh, ensure that uh, we uh, the safety of our citizens is is the prime concern for uh, uh, for the city of Edmonton and also the Edmonton Police Service, which they already are addressing.
1: One of the more sort of prominent messages of your campaign was that you're top priority as a city councillor would be to address community safety issues. Do you have a perspective that is unique to Ward 12, or are you talking more the city of Edmonton in a general sense? What do you perceive some of those community safety issues to be, and how would you address them?
2: Well, again, we need to work with our diverse population, especially in Ward 12, uh, to uh, uh, meet all the stakeholders and see what their needs are and how could they assist in in policing them. They can uh, assist the Edmonton uh, Police Service um, by having their valuable input work, what works and what does not. If something doesn't work, uh, we need to make sure that uh, we readjust to accommodate that part and uh, make sure it works.
1: Uh, back in June of 2014, you had sought the nomination for the Conservative Party of Canada in Edmonton, task when your candidacy was was rejected. It, it must feel good to secure this political victory. Are, are you more optimistic about the role that you can play as a city councillor as opposed to a member of parliament? How do you perceive the, the last two months or so with regards to your own aspirations?
2: Well, the, the good thing is uh, with the city council, uh, uh, the partisan uh, system is not there. Or if if it's their people don't appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad that I wasn't associated or sponsored by any parties. And uh, and, uh, I think that's uh, that's one of the things that was going in my favor. And, uh, of course, uh, I did uh, uh, ran for uh, the nomination or actually had my nomination papers put in but uh, I wasn't accepted. Uh, I'm not going to go into those reasons because I don't know the reason. Uh, I was never given a reason. And uh, my thing is uh, that uh, I am uh, a persistent, hardworking person, and uh, I'm going to keep going where I can uh, do something good for this community. Uh, City of Edmonton, uh, I came from a uh, pretty... Okay, background financially from my family 38 years ago from India. I tried everything in my power to improve myself and uh, hopefully I can be good for my own family and the families around me.
1: I'd like to get into your background in just a moment because I think there are some qualifications you have and some experience you have that people might not be aware of. You've got quite a a diverse background. I have to ask you though first, how does it feel? I mean, you, you talked about partisan affiliation how does it feel to beat other candidates that were endorsed by a former mayor Stephen mandel that were endorsed by sitting mlas by sitting government ministers you beat them all and and in relatively speaking resounding fashion
2: yeah uh, like i said i when i uh, ran for uh this election my first uh uh, talk with uh, my uh, most trusted sources was that uh, uh, everybody was pushing that, you know, uh, we should get this person to endorse you, this per- that person to endorse you. Our thing was, you know, it is the people that actually they vote for you, and you convince the people. Uh, sure, uh, uh, endorsements uh, are going to work sometimes to a point, but again uh, there is uh, people are the eventual uh, electors for you they uh, not the endorsements
1: it was uh, quite the election result to sift through last night. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look here right now. Again, there were 32 candidates on the ballot, and 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 you read through. You had you won it with 2,359 votes. Uh, there were a couple other candidates that secured more than a thousand. Deep Singh Sandu, uh, Laura Tebert, as well, and and then a whole bunch of candidates. I mean, votes ranging from five for Rory Koopmans, all the way up to, you know, 100, 200, 300 for the odd candidate. A listener here wonders if you feel that this is a victory for yourself or for democracy, it says, you know, with roughly 20% of the vote, that means that 80% of those who voted didn't vote for you. How do you perceive those numbers?
2: That's correct. But again, uh, those 80% of the people that did not vote, they did had a chance to vote they had to cast a well and had the chance to cast a ballot valid- ballot but uh and, and that opportunity was uh, for everybody and again all the candidates were qualified uh, candidates they were good candidates they everybody ran and despite the number of candidates that were running in the election the campaign was uh, very clear no mudslinging and uh, i enjoyed that part of it so rather than uh, people uh, uh, and uh, calling each other uh, so and so, uh, but again, um, my thing was uh, uh, again present what you have uh, in your uh, toolkit, uh, tool chest uh, to the people, and let people decide who did, who do they want to vote for.
1: By now, most people paying attention know that the counselor elect for Ward 12 is going to be a soon soon to be former Edmonton police detective. I'm not sure if everybody knows you've got a diploma in an oil and gas related field. You've got a bachelor of science in engineering physics. When we come back, I'd like to jump into the background of Mobanga and see how that might impact your perspective on council moving forward. More with the victor of the Ward 12 by election right after this this
0: is the ryan jesperson show on six thirty. Chad chat edmonton's breaking news and
1: conversation station mobanga our guest the victor last night in the ward 12 by election he'll swear in as edmonton's ward 12 counselor friday at one thirty p.m we were talking during the break you had a 45 member ground team helping you out in this election who
2: is your team made up of my team is uh, made up of, uh, especially my campaign manager, who uh, is a former Edmonton police superintendent, uh, of course, uh, Chuck McCann. Uh, he was uh, my main uh, main guy to go to. And, uh, he, the, of course, w- him and I, we d- did not really have... Too much experience in uh, in political field, but we were uh, able to adjust as the things uh, came along. And then I had a uh, whole bunch of people uh, who are University of Alberta students, the former uh, drug abuse resistance education that I uh, taught in two schools in Edmonton in War 12. Uh, they were out there to help me along with the parents and uh, all the soccer teams I coached and uh, soccer boards that I've been involved in and uh, also the uh, project in the southeast corner of uh, uh Edmonton uh, in all the uh, uh, pusha in the Iverdent Sports Park on the southeast corner of 50th Street, Anthony Hended Drive.
1: I have to imagine that, that all of these, relatively speaking, young graduates of the D.A.R.E. program and the soccer teams, I mean, that must have gone a long way, I suppose, in people speaking to, to your character and to the impact you've had on the on the community. You mentioned uh, as the, your time as president of a not-for-profit that helped with the the planning and installation of that $14 million Iverdent Sports Park. One of the first things you'll be asked to vote on as an Edmonton City Councillor is this $5 million Spray park at, at Horlock Park. Any thoughts on that going in, or are you going to have to get yourself up to speed in the next little while?
2: You no, know, I'm, I'm going to be gathering information. I'm going to be like a sponge uh, getting all the information soaked in, and uh, then I will uh, comment on those when I have enough knowledge to speak about them.
1: You wrote a letter, an open letter, to Edmonton City Council back in January on the vehicle for hire bylaw. Do you regret that you weren't there to, to vote on the one that was eventually
2: passed? No, it, uh, the Ad, Ad, Edmonton Ward 12 didn't need a representation. And uh, I will always be in favor of getting uh, representation from any ward. Uh, it should be included. But again, I was not there to make that des- uh, decision. And uh, I would have liked to be, uh, been in there. But uh, uh, whatever has uh, happened, happened. And uh, I guess this bylaw is uh, uh, kicking on uh, in on March 1st. And uh, again, we'll see how it unfolds. That's a safe answer. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure everybody knows that you've got a BSc in, in engineering physics. You worked at an engineering firm for a short time. We know that right now the province's energy sector is going through a bit of a tough time. It's impacting jobs right here in Edmonton. Will your experience in that field, do you think enrich your perspective as a counselor as well?
2: That's correct. Uh, when i first moved into um uh moved to canada 38 years ago i was i had a masters degree in physics from india and then of course i had to struggle to uh, my life uh, getting uh, working uh, as a laborer uh, as a roofer as a pizza delivery person did everything that i had to do then i became uh, a journeyman uh, sorry apprentice welder completed my welding uh, um Apprenticeship and uh, became a journeyman welder. Then I went on to uh, Nate for two years, oil and gas diploma. Then I thought my education wasn't enough, so I went on to uh, GOFA and got my degree in engineering physics. Worked for about pretty close to a year um, with a company in downtown Edmonton, and uh, eventually I decided that. Uh, Uh, Being a police officer is uh, more glamorous and involved in people, and I became a police officer.
1: Well, I I can't uh, help but assume that your perspective uh, will also perhaps... Impact, uh, maybe some of the direction that City Council takes on working with immigrants and new Canadians as well. Uh, Mobanga, if I don't cut you loose right now, I'll be in trouble with our news team for sending them late to the headlines. But I want to thank you for kicking off the show with us here in studio, and, and we look forward to seeing the impact that you'll have on Edmonton City Council. Look forward to talking to you again on these airwaves. Thank you to you, your team, and all the listeners. That's Mobanga, the councillor elect for Edmonton's Ward 12. Here's the news. You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on
0: 63010, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station.
1: That's right. As the intro suggests, sometimes it's breaking news and sometimes it's conversation. And Kelsey McGarrick working on lining something up for us up to the minute, a report out of Ontario. You may have heard of this story out of Pickering, police confirming that six students and two teachers stabbed this morning at an incident at a high school uh, in that jurisdiction east of Toronto. One young student, uh, a female taken into custody... Uh, Two people have been taken to the hospital for treatment. None of the injuries considered serious, but as far as we can tell, uh, a lockdown remains in place at the Dunbarton High School in Pickering, Ontario. Police say there's no active threat. We'll look for the details. Uh, We're going to check in with Mark Carcastle from Global Toronto in just a second. As a matter of fact, it looks like we may be ready to go. Mark, are you there with us? I'm here, Ryan. Uh, Thanks for your time. I understand you'll be filing for Global Toronto in just a second, but what what can you bring us up to the speed with information-wise?
3: Well, I I only caught the tail end of what you were saying before we came on, so I don't know what you've got already, but uh, what Durham Regional Police are saying here is a a total of eight injuries at this point, uh, some a little more serious than others requiring attention at hospital, but none of them life-threatening, all minor at this point. In terms of how this all rolled out, uh, it was about 8.30 this morning before the initial school bell rang uh police say that a female suspect in the lower grades so probably grade 9 or 10 uh this is a high school uh essentially went on a rampage inside the school with uh what is believed to be multiple knives don't have an exact number but at least two uh stabbing or slashing multiple people uh throughout the school parts around the school uh this is all coming from I guess what police are able to gather from uh witnesses who were inside the school at the time um now she was eventually stopped somehow by uh, school staff police don't or at least they're not saying at this point how whether she was tackled whether she was talked down but whatever they did uh, the the school staff who managed to stop her were also injured uh, but managed to get the attack put to a stop and managed to keep her restrained and held down until police uh, were able to arrive and, and make the arrest um, now there were some students who uh, once the school was put in lockdown, uh, actually weren't in the lockdown because when all this happened, many students just ran through the halls and ran outside the building. So uh, we've been speaking to students outside for most of the morning just about what they saw and what happened. They report absolute chaos inside the school at the time. Uh, Some of them saw some of the people that they believed were victims uh, holding various parts of their bodies. We spoke to uh, one student who saw a girl holding her neck another student who saw uh, a, a male student on the ground uh, holding his abdomen area so uh, we're starting to get sort of bits and pieces of information about what might have happened in there but uh, definitely a, a very scary day for for students and, and the parents who were milling around outside here too we've now learned that parents are picking up their kids on the other side of the school the uh, the rear door so there's not as many milling around the front entrance now but uh, i mean i'm not a parent but i can only imagine what is going through the heads of these parents, many of whom who just dropped their kids off five minutes before receiving texts from them saying, the school is now in lockdown, come get me.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, know, geez, this is the type of story you hear about. You never think it's going to happen at, at your kid's school. Mark, have you been able to determine anything about the potential relationship between the accused, the, the 14-year-old or the, or the young w- woman that's in custody, and the stabbing victims? Was there any connection that you can determine?
3: It doesn't sound like anything at this point speaking to some students. Many of them are, are unfamiliar with the student. Uh and one of the uh the boys that we spoke to here says from what he understands about her, he's in grade twelve so he doesn't have any classes with her. But uh from what he's heard around the school she was he referred to her as kind of an isolated student. Uh he mentioned uh that she would seem to change her name almost every day. Um, often wore long dresses and wigs. Now, in cases like this there's often a lot of misinformation that goes around in the early days and a lot of stuff quite frankly gets made up so uh we don't know exactly how accurate that is at this point but it sounds like it could have been someone according to the student who might have been bullied didn't get along with other students but again early preliminary stages so don't know exactly how accurate that is at this point
1: all right well mark we'll we'll stay tuned to global news for updates on this story thanks for taking the time to speak with us
3: no problem thank you
1: that's mark Carcastle reporting for global toronto and of course i would imagine for partners from coast to coast we'll keep you updated uh, the next 6:30 uh, Ched news update coming up in 19 minutes we'll fit in a quick break and then we have a couple of other school related stories we'd like to get to an edmonton high school student suspended for a social media post but the details are a little confusing was the wrong person punished We'll get to that story, plus the University of Alberta's pro-life group being charged for security. The charge is so high, more than $17,000, they say they'll likely have to cancel an event. Is this censorship? We'll get into that as well when we return.
0: This is the Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station.
1: 9.45 on this Tuesday morning. Have you been paying attention to this story out of the University of Alberta? You may remember back in 2015, in the month of March, the U Alberta Pro Life group they had planned and, and then carried out a demonstration outside, kind of uh, generally speaking, outside of the, the Hub Mall area, and pro choice protesters rallied at the same time. There were some powerful images, a whole bunch of, of placards and, and homemade signs, those wearing pride flags and carrying other banners standing by the dozens in front of graphic images of aborted fetuses. It was a protest of a protest. And so when you, Alberta Pro Life, reapplied. You know, they're a registered student club and they reapplied for a similar event this month. The University of Alberta asked for a $17,500 security fee. The university saying that, you know, any event that would include alcohol or any uh, event that could lead to potential conflict between groups is subject to such security fees. Here's Amber Lee Nickel, president of UAlberta Pro-Life, on the big charge.
3: Um, well, last year when we did the event, unfortunately some students decided to respond to our event by blockading it. They, they obstructed our display with large bedsheets and with uh, signs and disrupted the event with loud chanting.
1: Now you may remember on this show... Last year, we spoke to Amberly Nickel, and then we spoke to organizers of the protest against the protest. We talked to both sides about some of the nuances of their position. Those that took issue with you, Alberta Pro Life's display, said nobody needs to see these images of aborted fetuses. Some suggested that this was triggering horrific feelings for either those that have gone through an abortion or those that perhaps have lost a child to miscarriage. Meantime, U Alberta Pro-Life has gone on record saying, hey, if abortion is disturbing to look at, it raises questions. Maybe we should talk about the nature of abortion itself. Now, this is interesting because Calgary's Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is stepping up in defense of U Alberta pro-life. They say that this $17,500 security fee is actually essentially just a gag order. It's stepping all over freedom of expression. And isn't that what universities are supposed to be all about? Now to add to the drama here, Alberta Pro-Life actually sued the U of A based on their experience last year. They say that the university failed to uphold their freedom of speech and that lawsuit is ongoing. So now John Carpe, who's president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, says that this security fee is going to be added into that lawsuit to protect the freedom of expression that you, Alberta pro life, is entitled to. On the text line, Stevens chimed in and, and he says, You know, this imposition of this security fee, it seems to encourage the bullies. He says it's actually a big step back for freedom. Steven says, It's not that I'm a pro life advocate. It just scares me that ideas and opinions cannot be expressed at our universities, which I, through taxes, help pay for? What do you think about this? What's your take on this? Now, I've said on record before, I'm disgusted by some of the mail outs and some of the graphic signs and and some of the placards that protesters will use outside abortion clinics or along the sides of roads. Sometimes they're stuffed into your mailbox. I don't appreciate them. But that doesn't mean that people aren't entitled to freedom of expression. Now, maybe it's a different story when they're stepping up onto your front steps to stuff your mailbox with material that you could deem to be offensive. For me, it's very personal. I've shared before, we lost a baby a short time ago. When I see an image of a preterm fetus, it takes me back. It brings me back. Now, me personally, I can handle it. It's an emotional moment for me, but also I use that moment to remember our lost child. But this is a bigger issue. This is a big story. I don't think anybody with a straight face would believe that the $17,500 security fee has nothing to do with the actual content of UAlberta Pro-Life's message. Would you? What are your thoughts on the stifling of freedom of speech? Let's open up the phone 780-496-0063. We'll get to your calls right after this. The University of Alberta says that its registered student group, Go Life, a pro-life group, will have to pay $17,500 in security fees if they'd like to hold a demonstration as per the one last year that was interrupted by pro-choice demonstrators. Cher says, I'm pro-choice, but it's not my choice. I don't need to see those images, and I don't think anyone needs to see that. She says, why would we put graphic photos of aborted babies out for the world to see? Women that have made that choice once, I will never judge. Alex from Bonneville says, this reminds me of a similar incident at the University of Toronto, where a group of feminists protested and blockaded access to a seminar held by a men's rights movement. Alex says, I'm all for freedom of speech, but once you start silencing others, you play a very dangerous game. You become the very thing you're fighting against. Mick says, I don't agree with pro life at all, but they do have a right to express their beliefs. This is censorship. Let's find out what Bill has to say on the phone lines. Hi, Bill. Hi. What's your take uh, yeah, on this? It's
3: not the only group that faces prejudice and hatred within our campuses across North America. But it just goes to show that every time, you know, something that needs to be talked about gets so defensive. And you know what? I'm pro-choice, but I want to see those graphic images because that's what's actually going on. Why do we have to deny the truth all the time?
1: That's a good thing to think about, Bill. I appreciate that. Dennis, what are your thoughts on this?
4: Well, I, uh, the demonstrations, I think, you know, there's they're something that, that people should have a right to go on. It's just whether... The graphic pictures should be shown in public, and that uh, you know, like Matt had their had very graphic pictures on on uh, billboards all over the city, and you know, you got you got kids looking at stuff like that all the time, and it's whether you know should it should it should be like 18 plus or. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Dennis. That's a good point. I mean, uh, what about when we're trying to get people to quit smoking? What about the graphic images on cigarette packages? A listener here says, do you not think people who've lost soldiers in war get upset when they see mutilated bodies on the news? listener says, I'm, I'm sorry that you lost a baby, but this is just a way of ignoring the horrific results of abortion. Another says, okay, hang on. So am I okay then to protest murder and put up posters of dead people and dead children? Even though I have the freedom to do so doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Perhaps pro-life can accommodate a bit to avoid offending people if they want to spread their word. That's from Jason in the West End who goes on to say this is a very sensitive topic. They should respect their viewers. Is seeing pictures of dead fetuses actually going to persuade the minds of someone who's pro-choice? Jason, we let that question resonate for a second. I'll return back to that cuz I think you're on to something great there. Dell, what are your thoughts on this?
4: Well, let's see my tax dollars are going for the university to suppress somebody's right to protest or do whatever else. I worked in the security industry for 17,500. I could provide you 10 XJTF2 uh, members,
1: I don't even know what that days. means, but 17000 does sound like a lot.
4: Well, let's put it this way. $10,000 for 10X Special Forces members for two days. Yeah. Easy. So $17,500, thats i am sorry, that they're just trying to keep them from having their views. Yesterday you had on your show four guys trying to talk about, four people I should say, trying to talk about how PC is bad. But three of you just couldn't do it. And it was funny, but now this reflects onto that. It's not politically correct to put up pictures of fetuses, but is it politically correct to show up and protest? Because our voices need to be heard as pro-choice, but how dare you show the end result of pro-choice? So we're going to oppress you by blocking your speech.
1: That's something in important, to think, about, Del. It's something important and, to think about, Dell. It's something important to think about. I wish I didn't have to cut you off. We've run up to the newscast. We'll pick this up again later on in the show. You have my word on that. Headlines coming up in just a couple minutes.